Nine minutes after 8 o'clock on AM 550, FM 99.9, WSAU, online at WSAU.com as well. Uh, mostly sunny, looking at a temperature of 80. The summer-like conditions uh, finally here. And uh, finally here in studio as well is uh, Merle Kelch. Merle, uh, good morning. Glad you could join us here today. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Absolutely. We're, <laughs> we're, we're glad to have you. Uh uh, Merle is here, and he is going to uh, he's going to absolutely talk me down off the cliff after the surprise announcement this week that uh, U.S. Soccer is going back to Greg Berhalter as the head coach after parting ways with him six months ago, and then deciding, never mind, we're not going to find somebody better than this. Now, Merle, you did such a good job of talking everybody else down off the ledge while interest rates were going up and everything else. So now, talk me off the ledge that U.S. Soccer is going to. You be know, fine. I think what it was is. Um, the soccer team just needed the time to pause and relax and reflect and go to the tranquility pool. Oh. And uh, they had visions while they were, you know, sniffing their CBD oil. Okay. That's I all it. I got. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. That was the surprise news for me this week. Uh, anyway, surprise news for you, though, might have come on Wednesday. Uh, interest rates staying where they are for now. Pause. Yeah, yeah. First yeah, time in yeah. uh, more than a dozen meetings, I think it was, for the uh, feds that they have left interest rates where they are. It, you know, I looked at the great news. We saw the markets respond, you know, brilliantly as a result of that, and, and, and as they they should have, because it just kind of marks that okay, are we now at the peak of the rise? Becomes essentially the case. And and then you know I'm reading so many articles popping in here say, well next month are the interest rates going to drop down? And and the first thing that pops into my head is what kind of a jack wagon actually thinks this is the case? <laughs> and and and, and uh, you know for you and others that are listening, you know, we're we're moving a cruise ship. And, and so we're moving a cruise ship that we're sailing from New York to London, for example. Um, you don't just start out with a cruise ship and say, okay, we're in the right direction. You have to nudge it, massage it to get it, make sure that it's going to hit the right harbor when it gets over to London. It's not that you point it in the right direction and say, okay, good luck, it's going to happen. There's a slight adjustments and nudges along the way. And for one reason or another, I think these people who think that, okay, we're done, now interest rates are going to go up, are the people who don't think that they're driving a cruise ship. They think they're driving a 16-foot dinghy, mm-hmm. um, and they know exactly where it's going to go, and it's going to be perfect every single day. It doesn't. It's, it's a moving target that we're doing. But, you know, you look at the numbers of everything that's going on inside of the economy. The, the Federal Reserve is doing a good job. We may not like it. We may not like the outcome if we have a recessionary event, which I think is going to happen. To what depth, we don't know. Um, but they're doing a good job. We're seeing the M2 money supply backing up. We're seeing um, X, there is an M3 money supply, folks, uh, though it hasn't been kept track of in the U.S. since 2005. Okay. But, um, but it is a number, you can, and, and I just learned this myself this morning, but uh, even that is backing up, which is essentially your CDs that are 100,000 plus. Those are, are coming down as far as uh, the, the amount of those. And so all the stuff that's happening is supposed to be happening, is happening inside of the economy. And Chairman Powell said, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna pause and we're gonna see what happens over the course of the you know next uh, uh, perhaps month or maybe a couple of months, and make sure we're going on the right path. And then from that, he reserved the right, or they, I should say, not exactly just him, uh, reserve the rights to increase interest rates in the future if they need to. Now that said, we have to remember in Chairman Powell inside of his uh, uh, his his press briefing on Wednesday, <clears throat> excuse me, said." 
you know, the interest rates take some time to get into the marketplace. And we've talked about it in this program. When an interest rate goes up, we usually don't see the effects of that interest rate for 9, 12 months down the road. And so there's still some that are out there yet. And so they're just trying to see, okay, are we done? Are we not done? Um, what's happening with inflation? Are we continuing on? What's happening with jobs, recession? Do we have the balance right? And so they're essentially taking a pause to take a peek and see uh, what's happening. So expectations of interest rates are going to drop. Uh, that's not happening. So if you, like I talked to some young people again this past week that said, literally, I'm going to wait till the interest rates go back down to 2% before I buy my house. And I kind of giggled at them. I said, uh, probably not going to happen in your lifetime. Yeah. Uh, so interest rates are actually the norm that they've been over a long period of time. We were just in the abnormal part over the course of the last several years here, uh, where interest rates at you know zero, two percent, three percent, wherever you're finding them. Um, boy, that was the abnormality. We're back in the norm range right now. It, it, indeed. Again, I was one of those lucky ones that got an interest rate uh, below two percent uh, when I ended up getting uh, my house a couple of years ago. And uh, I can tell you, it is certainly going to take a uh, very extraordinary circumstance for me to give up that interest rate. Oh, yeah. Because it's, you're just not going to find anything better than that. I believe right now, uh, I haven't looked, because of course, I'm not in the market for a house right now. But I, I haven't looked, but I think they're somewhere in the area of about 7%. You might be able to find some different ones if you get an interest rate special somewhere. Uh, so right now, but that is, as you mentioned, that's kind of the norm that's what we've yeah, we've yeah. been seeing uh for several years even uh, the last uh uh kind of recessionary event that we had a few years ago it was right around that uh four or five percent range sure. so right now uh you're you're definitely nothing great but it's also nothing overly expensive at this sure, time right sure. um i was having a conversation and golfing on wednesday and i was having a conversation with a couple of my friends there and they were talking we were all talking about our first house when we bought them and they're about the same age as me. I was a little bit older than these guys. But they said, remember when we, I bought my first house, it was that 8% interest. And they said, I was just ecstatic at that. Um, he said, fortunately, I was able to buy other ones and lever, leverage them down. And then he said, I refinanced, you know, at uh, two and some changes recently. And, and, folks, I remember my first house was at 13% interest. And I oh, was wow. ecstatic that I got it, you know. And, <laughs> um, and and I have clients of mine that were, you know, bought houses for the first time in the early 80s. And 17 18% was um, uh, not uh, uh, surprising. So there's a there's a couple of articles that are uh, popping up in here, and, and I don't have them in front of me because our conversation here, folks, has just kind of popped them up into my head. I'm talking about leveraged loans, and and, and leveraged loans take on a, a couple of different uh, directions, but it's because of the interest rates where they are that are making some things that are um, uh, uh, kind of goofy and quirky we have to take a look at. And so first of all, our article on leveraged loans, and I'll talk about them um, uh, in in regards to the mortgages. But mm-hmm. uh, the, the average is or the the uh, title is leveraged loan defaults at twenty five billion and head for a third worst year in history. Says says Goldman. An article by Joel. I'm sorry, Joe Joy. Oh, geez, this one's so small. I had to pick up the laptop and look <laughs> at it. Um, Withermuth, Muth, is that it? Withermuth. We'll go with it. Sounds like I have a lisp. You know, so, so in here, there, there's an interesting thing that's happening with the, the rise of interest rates as of right now, and they touch upon all of this, and I want to touch upon one of them, which is part of another article that we'll eventually get to. So, um, you know, with the interest rates going up, a couple things are, are interesting. First of all, from the bond standpoint, and that'll fall into here. Um, uh, you know, with the bond standpoint, and I'll chat about this a little bit more, 
with bond prices being so high, people are saying, well, geez, I'll just go out and buy some bonds right now. Well, um, right now bond prices are there, but we can't find the yield that we want. Um, and, and that being said, um, we'll touch upon this more in a, in a bit, guys, but you know, we can f- look for some corporate bond yields, and we're finding them at about 5%. Okay, so with a bond yield at 5%, um, should I buy the bond, or should I go for something that's riskless where I can get 5% instead of a CD right now? And so for our clients right now are saying, well, geez, I think I want to buy some bonds. I'm still kind of going, hold on a little bit. Maybe for the next year, just go buy a CD or we'll help them buy a, you know, a large CD. Um, because now we get the same yield, but we get it also with a guarantee of the FDIC. And so we have to look at that. But in the leveraged loan defaults, um, companies that may not have enough cash or may not have enough money, they'll leverage all the time and they'll say, okay, we're going to buy some leverage. And they got to pay higher interest rates to an organization that says, okay, we're going to secure this or secure that. Um, and they're going to take those higher loans. And we're starting to see some defaults starting to happen with that. It's not a bad thing unless you're the bank that's holding that leveraged note. Mm-hmm. Um, but that said, um, it's a normalcy that slows that we're slowing and business is slowing down. So it's a normalcy to see that sort of stuff. But in here where people forget some things is that um, some people leverage their real estate. So um, we have it where somebody said, well, I'm going to buy a, a second house and it's going to be an expensive house. Um, I really can't afford it, but I can get interest rates that are really, really low. And we see this play with a, a lot of the younger inve- younger home buyers. They'll buy a house with not quite enough money at a, a you know, really, really low interest rate that has an adjustable that pops up in five or seven years. And what's interesting is that that five- and seven-year mark is coming up, and it's not going to be at 2% or 3%. And all it's going to find those payments are 2 2.5% more than what they were paying or 2 two and a half times more than what they were paying. Now, all of a sudden, we're looking at they say, well, now we got to get out of this house. we got to try to sell this house. So there'll be an interesting time coming up because it may very well come to the time where people say, eh, we don't think we want to buy houses because we're not going to get out of our mortgage like you that's at 2% or 3% to buy this new bigger house that you can't afford. And we're going to see some adjustments coming in that and say next year, year and a half, if I had to put my uh, Swami hat on and take a, a standpoint. And it's all because of that leverage that we see uh, that's coming up. So if you're in the market for real estate, Hang on a little bit uh, because I think it's going to get a lot better. Um, uh, but that leverage of the interest rates are changing some of the dynamics on how we look at some things. So rather than buying an individual bond right now, which, by the way, I'm a huge fan of, by the way, folks, for clients, um, I think the better place is to have a CD for uh, 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 a little bit of period of time. In fact, I actually told my wife to buy a CD at the <laughs> bank, and I'm in the investment world. And, and, and it wasn't you know, Nirvana's Nevermind or something like that, right? That's right. A different That's right. CD. Yeah, a different CD. <laughs> 715-845-2155 is the number to call. We've got time for one call here before we uh, get to our first uh, break. Good morning. You're on Making Financial Sense with Merle Kelch. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Who are we talking to? Hi. This is Richard. Morning, Richard. I'm uh, thinking about, first of all, I guess I'm, your recommendation, if any, at about what percentage of gold you have in your portfolio, and then well, would you buy coins, would you buy GLD, or how are gold stocks, what would you recommend? Well, percentage of gold or any precious metals, the, the general consensus in the industry is you should never have more than 10%. Um, I actually think it should be a little bit less. Um, remember, Richard, the reason that we uh, in the past have bought gold and oil was to offset inflation. 
Well, inflation is coming down. If you look at the price of gold from uh, the beginning of 22 to now, it's about even. Of course, you know, had some fluctuations along the way. So we always get excited about gold because, you know, the joke I always have on here and, and young Michael attests is we hear it on the radio and it's always by an English actor and it's always a lady that makes it sound smart. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in here, I'm a better fan if I'm going to buy gold for a client. I'm a better fan of buying GLD or buying a e- gold ETF. I'm not recommending you run out and buy GLD only. But um, I like the, uh, the ETFs that actually hold the physical gold, which is what they do. Um, I don't like um, an ETF that has a leverage on a gold company or has a gold company or derivatives. I like them to hold the physical gold because then I know what's in there. Um, I don't have to worry about whether or not they bought into a gold company that's going broke because of poor management. So I'm a bigger fan of that. Also, if you're buying the physical bullion or coin, um, you're paying a premium to buy it and you're selling it at a discount based upon whatever the spot price is. And so if you're going to buy it for an investment like that, I'd rather have a person buy the actual investment as you have just normal trading fees to buy and sell it. That's a lot more efficient, in my opinion, um, if you're going to buy that type of uh, uh, um, uh, product, if you will. Does that help you out, Richard? Thank you. Thank you very much. You're welcome, sir. All right. Yep, absolutely. Thanks for the call. He's Merle Kelch. We're making financial sense on AM 550, FM 99.9, WSAU, and online at WSAU.com as well. As always, our chat is uh, just the filler for your phone calls. If you've got a question for Merle, go ahead and give us a call at 715-845-2155, and we will get to it next here on WSAU. Mostly sunny skies, daytime high reaching 81 today in Wausau. Not too bad at all. Maybe a little on the warm side, though. Uh, we've got a complete check of your forecast coming up in just a bit here on WSAU. But first, I am WSAU News Director Mike Leishner, which means over there is Merle Kelch of Kelch & Associates. You just heard with the disclaimer. Uh, Merle, the, the the story behind that, by the way, we do have to do that uh, so many times to, to keep the show legal, right? Yeah, it's all the uh, compliance department part of FINRA. It's all the rules. FINRA. Yep. FINRA. FINRA, that sounds that sounds serious. It's our financial regulatory authority Okay, is, uh, what it stands for. So um, my compliance department who's reviewing this is actually going to be really happy. I knew what, those, what that meant. <laughs> yes. So our, our industry has become so litigious um, that, um, folks, if you remember from years ago, we, we put up and said, hi, I'm Merle, don't do this. You know, so that was pretty much our disclaimer. Then as the years have gone on, it's progressed. <laughs> okay. So, so then finally, you know, we had to start adding there for Wisconsin only, and then uh, – they come around and said, oh, by the way, now I have to do it three times with an hour. I swear to God, if we do this another 10 years, Mike, it's just going to be one hour of disclaimers. That's okay. it. We're not even going to have to talk about anything. So uh, it, it's it's uh, interesting how the, the industry has certainly uh, progressed over the years. Of course, in another 10 years, I'll have to talk so slow, and I won't be able to pronounce the word Social Security and you know, all the normal things. And, that uh, happen, yeah, but, and, and uh, exactly. As, as older, it's, you know, uh, you know and, and you're, you brought up a great point there because we kind of got a short segment here. Uh, just how much this has changed in the last few years. I imagine that, uh, you know, with the with the speed of information and things like that, uh, it's become an even more, even faster paced work environment for you and your team there than it, it was probably it even five years ago. Uh, it, it has. And I tell you, uh, folks just sharing a little bit, you know, in, so I'm coming up on 59 here relatively quickly. And I would have never guessed 10 years ago that the difference between 49 and 59 was so great that it is. And just the, the processes and how you move and 
and I've always been on top of, and I still believe that I am on top of, you know, all the electronic things that are coming. It's because it's what I do for a living. I have to know what's going on. Um, and, and so I knew some stuff existed, but I didn't realize how prevalent things come. And so um, if you guys have not met yet, uh, Kim in our office, God bless her. She's, she's the young version of me, in my opinion, um, and she's just brilliant. Um, I think I might have shared in this story before, but having her in the office because she's got the perspective of a – you know, 30 and 40-something, and mm-hmm. early 30, 40-something. And, and so we had a client. Um, they had passed away, and they had two daughters that were of the same 30s years old. And I said, okay, Kim, here's the paperwork we have to do. We just have to get in touch with them, have them sign the document. She goes, it's done. So it's <laughs> done. So yeah, I, I e-doc it over to them. They've already signed it back again. You have to get your approval. You hit the approval button. It's done. And I just kind of <laughs> went, we do that? <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so that was a year ago, and folks – we're having more and more documents that are e-signed, and we couldn't do this three or four years ago. We, we couldn't do it in our industry. It wasn't allowed. And now we can do e-docs and send it back and forth, and it's just handy as heck. You know, we're, we're blessed to have clients in 13 states, and so with that being the case, e-docs are just, just a godsend. We can say, oh, we'll send these docs out to you. Just watch them in your email, follow directions as piece of cake. They come back, and it just makes it so much easier and, uh, and smoother these days. And that's some of the technology stuff that um, as you get older, people just stop. Watching it, I think, it stopped slowing down. I forced myself to continue to reading it, but it's just really nice to have somebody who's younger than the next generation coming in that embraces the stuff and looks at it. Um, though I do have to do some things, and, and uh, uh, if Kim's listening, sometimes, and it's not her, but it's that part of the generation saying, you just got to pick up the phone. Just pick up the phone. <laughs> just pick up the phone. Um, and so I find that uh, that generation would rather text or send an email, um, and sometimes just the phone is just easier and faster. You can get it done quicker. Um, uh, yeah, but, but differences and, but, you know, God bless her. I'm so happy that she's in our office and, and, uh, working ha- hard. And so I'm able to keep up with that stuff as I'm getting older. And, you know, and, and even for me as well, as the news director, when I'm going and, and looking for a comment on a story or I've got a question, sometimes I do have to take a step back and remind myself, wait a minute, why send this? Why, why create this longer, make this email chain even longer? Just pick up and call this person, you know? You, oh, yeah. you you get so used to that, and, and eventually you have to say, "Wait a minute, could this be done more efficiently?" If I were to just call and we even just have a two minute conversation to to get things cleared up sure. here. So sure. yeah, you're absolutely right that uh, you, the two uh, the two elements of this do have to work together every you know, now the, and then. The, the beautiful part about the technology that you're talking about is in our industry, the information has gotten so much better and faster for individuals that are out there looking around for investments. And so part of this program, folks, is we're popping up information that's coming you know, live and, and the stuff that I'm looking at, articles and Mike is looking up, has been published within the last 12 to 14 hours, um, 12 to 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's popping up here. It's now. It's not six months ago that we pulled up from a news article. That stuff has changed. And it's gotten so much better. Even the twenty-some years we've been doing this radio show, it's even gotten better, folks. When I started out in this in this in this industry back in college, um, I was at the University of, of uh, Whitewater, and uh, in Whitewater they spent like twenty thousand dollars for this brand new program for looking up stock information, and everybody was so excited about it because as students we got to look at the same stuff now. Now that your big trading firms like Merrill Lynch and Smith Barney and all these places at the time. We're looking at and what it was was a value line and folks if you've never seen a value line a value line is volumes of books that contained every stock and analysis on every stock and they had them in three ring binders they were about six inches thick and there were about 40 of them 
So that's how you looked up what your stock was inside of what's called a base one of sick code, as I see. And so we learned how to do them in paper first, which if you mm-hmm. want to build a stock portfolio looking at analysis by paper, it took a long <laughs> time. I imagine. So Whitewater bought um, the value lines on CD where we could put them into the computer and we could use the analysis from that. And so rather than taking days of research, which we would have to do at that time, it would literally take us hours. And you're like, this is great. You know, so we, you know, build our stock portfolios and model portfolios and do all of our analysis and what's called quick ratios on stocks, you know, part of our, our classes at the time. Um, and now, folks, the technology is so good, you can walk up to your iPad, your phone, your computer, and go click, and it's done, and it's all free public information. And so that's the beautiful part as far as what's happened inside of the investment arena right now, and I just love to see what it is. You know, I even look at the Internet and go, wow, that's pretty cool when you look at a stock. You know, for example, um, we're seeing, uh, you know, the, all the big battles are talking about AI and that whole bit going on, and so... If you look at it in the video this year, it's up 200%. Well, you go, well, why is it up 200%? Is it too high? What's the issue for it? And you can look it up and you pop it in the video and just put latest news and you go through and it'll give you the opinions of why it's mm-hmm. up 200%. Then you're going to see 20 other opinions, whether it's overpriced or underpriced or if it's going to go higher or it's going to go lower. But you can see all this stuff in an instant today from an investment standpoint, which is just absolutely brilliant. Same thing with mutual funds. You can look at mutual funds and say, is that a good mutual fund or a bad mutual fund? And say, oh, well, that mutual fund is inside of the large cap growth category. And there's, I'm making up a number on this one. There's 1,800 funds in that category, and it's in the top 10%. Oh, no kidding. And you can click all this stuff in instant today. That didn't exist when I started this business 30 years ago. So the technology embracing it is really good, and it's moving at you a lot faster in this industry these days. He is Merle Kelch. We're making financial sense on AM 550, FM 99.9, WSAU, and online at WSAU.com. We'll be back with more after this. I'm WSAU News Director Mike Leishner. He is Merle Kelch. We are making financial sense on this uh, Saturday morning. Merle has just given me the big sign the with his sign. arms. Yeah, that's he's... Uh, he um, either has a brilliant stuff. idea no, I was or he's showing you my muscles, the gun show. Okay. No. He's All either right. got a brilliant idea or he's got something he wants to talk about. There you go. <laughs> um, folks, there's an article by Mark Hulbert, which um, I like Monk Har- Mark Hulbert. He does a pretty good job. So he has a title that says, here's the big reason you can expect bonds to start outperforming stocks. Now, it's interesting. He goes to this brilliant thing for weirdos like me that actually understand it. I'll try to break it down and make it a little bit more simple. But Much essentially. appreciated. <laughs> Um, essentially in here, um, we have what's called nominal interest rates, and then we have inflation rates and all this kind of stuff. And essentially what's happening is that um, inflation is coming up to such a point um, that the bond interest rates that are being paid out right now on the bonds that you're purchasing um, are about the same. And so eventually the bonds have to pay a little bit more than inflation. That's the nature of the beast. And so he goes through the you know, whole inflation expectations over the uh, subsequent years, the real one return, uh, real one-year treasury yields, nominal 10-year treasury yields, and goes for all this sort of stuff and proves to us uh, that bond yields will be going up. Um, and so bonds, at some point in time, it's going to make sense for us to do a bond portfolio. And for those of you wanting to draw income from bonds, setting up a latter bond portfolio, and we will no doubt get into all of this probably as we're coming to the latter part of this year or the beginning of next. But here's what's actually happening inside of the bond marketplace. That when you think about it, it makes more sense. I had said earlier in the program um, that we're telling a lot of people, rather than buying bonds at the, minute, at the minute, 
Given the yields that we have inside of bonds, you're better off buying a CD. Again, the yields compared to what we can get inside of a CD, we're not getting any premium in the bond marketplace over the interest rates we're getting inside of CDs right now. And that'll change. And here's why. You know, if we take a look back four or five years ago, if I'm a corporation and I got a whole bunch of bonds that I'm still paying um, uh, 8% interest on for people, but the prevailing interest rates are, you know, one, what am I going to do? I'm going to now finance all those old bonds and I'm going to all buy all the new bonds at the 1% mark. Because the 1% mark is just a better interest rate or 3%, whatever it was, is a better interest rate for me as a corporation. I don't have to pay as much cash out to hold, have somebody hold that debt for me. So just a natural progression of what you do. In fact, if I'm a business, it's a smart decision to do because I have now less interest rate or debt costs on that money. In fact, we saw the federal government do the same thing. It was taking a lot of the debt that we had had and turning it into 30-year notes because the interest rates are so low. Again, smart, wise move in which to do so. But what's happened now is we have all these bonds if we look into the secondary marketplace and say, well, I'm going to pick up some XYZ big corporation bonds because I want to have a you know a nice interest rate or yield on it. And you look them up and you said, what? I'm only going to get 3%? Oh, yeah, that's because all those bond yields were at 3%. And with the interest rates coming are going up now, the prices are, you know, the bonds are about where they're supposed to be, what's called on par, about that 3%, 4% mark. You're going to see, well, geez, why do I want 3 or 4% when I can get, again, 4 or 5% on a CD right now? which is true. Again, that's not going to continue on. Corporate America is now going to come into a point, and it's starting to happen, where if they say, well, geez, I need to raise some money for my new widget machines, and I don't want to issue more stock. I don't want to go to the bank and borrow the money because it's at, you know, 6 or 7% now. I'm just going to issue some bonds. But if they issue bonds at 2 and 3%, guess how much of the market's going to want to buy them? Well, zero, because they can get a CD at 5%. So eventually we're going to start seeing these new bonds being reissued out at, you know, 5.5%, 6%, 7% perhaps. And we'll start seeing that now pretty soon we have the ability to get some good quality bonds from high-quality companies that give us a real nice shot of having some interest rates. Um, and so when that, in that, um, if I had to guess, maybe about the next year or so, um, we'll, be, we'll start seeing corporate bond rates on new issues starting to pop up where we can buy some good quality bonds, good quality companies, but now we're going to give us some good quality yields unlike that we saw three and four years before inside of that corporate bond rate. So watch for that. And hold on. Make sure you're talking with your financial professional folks if you want to start buying some bonds. And by the way, it's going to be a great time in buying bonds. Um, but we'll watch uh, where those yields are. Talk to your financial professional. Again, still not a fan of bond mutual funds, um, but the individual bonds I think are going to be good. Just a little bit of time for the yields to come up. Now, again, as me, who's somebody who maybe knows enough about some of this uh, to be dangerous, but not enough to actually know what they're doing if I were to sit down in, yep. in front of a computer and see all of this data and with real money decide what to do with it. Uh, I'm, I'm hearing there might be an opportunity for some uh, buyer's remorse in this as well, because you said these markets are going to be in flux. Okay, the safe bet might be putting the money in the CD, but then you might put it in the uh, the corporate bond so somebody can build a, a new factory somewhere. But then all of a sudden, the bond market flips, and you're thinking, wait a minute, the CD might have been the better option. So there's a lot to digest here. Well, there, there's, there's a lot to digest. Unfortunately, this business is fluid. So if you don't like the bond, you can sell it. You know, mm -hmm. Somebody will buy it from you. It depends about what the price is you're willing to sell it for, of course, like anything else. Um, but it's uh, the bond marketplace is, is ownership. You're loaning the money. 
Um, and and, and I, I like it when you're in a higher interest rate environment and you can loan something at a higher interest rate. That's what our banks want to do, and we're actually going to act as that. Um, but we just simply have to wait for the bond prices, uh, interest rates, or the yield, if you will, to increase to such a point that it makes sense for us to buy stuff with a higher interest rate. It doesn't make any sense for us at the moment, folks, building a bond portfolio that's going to pay us a 4% yield. Again, we can get it without risk in a CD right now, so it doesn't make any sense. And so I think we've got just my guesstimation as far as how long we're looking at with CDs. You know, banks are offering that 4 to 5% mark anywhere between the 9 to 11-month, 13-month range. And I think they have that price in fairly good that they know that's about when the interest rates will start coming down from the uh, federal standpoint. Um, at the same time, that's when we start seeing the prices or the refinancing from corporate bonds to start getting higher. We can start looking at some bonds. It seems to be that neighborhood is about right. And and if I remember right from our previous conversations, there's also a certain level that you want to be invested in these bonds be t- to make it worth it. Because if you do need to sell it, it, nobody's going to sell it if it's just a few thousand dollars. You want to have something closer to like twenty thousand dollars right, invested right. in this, right? There's always a certain amount of an ec- economy of scale, um, and bonds are no different. In fact, folks, we were talking about a friend of mine, and and he's probably listening right now, and I'm going to pick on him a little bit. Okay. Um, uh, he was doing some stock, individual stock and bond trading, and trading the same stock in and out throughout the course of the day. Is well, they told me I didn't have enough money in there because now I have to have more money because I'm day trading. So how much money do you have in there? And I'm not going to say the dollar amount. He said, well, they told me I had to have 25000 if I went day trade. I said, okay, put 25000 Well, that's not what I do, but I keep buying the same stock in and out, you know, two or three times a day. Well, you can't do that, you know. <laughs> so, so, but anyway, in individual bonds, when you're looking at corporate bonds, it's always my recommendation to do $25,000 block minimums. Can you do $1,000? The answer is yes. Uh, but if I'm buying a $1,000 block for a client, he's probably going to spend – you know, a, a bunch more, uh, it's not going to be commission. He's going to have a bigger discount because somebody's not going to want to buy or sell them one share, which is $1,000 worth of a bond. Nobody really wants to do that. You want to do blocks. And so so from that, if you want to buy $1,000 worth, you can get it, but you're going to pay a higher price, and that'd be your premium for buying such a small block. In the old days, they did the same thing with individual stocks where they wanted everything to be what's called a round lot which was a hundred shares of stock nobody wanted to buy 93 shares it was a hundred you know and so uh and so the same thing is out of the bond arena but the biggest buyers of bond or high quality bonds tend to be pension funds or large companies like that and they don't want to buy seven thousand dollars worth of a bond they want to buy 25 minimums because they can take a couple of 25s and make it a hundred thousand dollar block and those trade really fast and, and at the best prices so if you're going to do individual bonds, um, um, I always recommend do $25,000 blocks. It'll just make your life easier when you want to sell and cheaper when you want to buy um, on that bid ass inside of the bond arena. Plus, a- as you mentioned, we'll, we'll just go with $1,000 as a nice round number. You've got the, the, the commission, the fees that you're going to pay on that, mm-hmm. and then that bond will be paid back with interest. But by the time the transaction's done, you might find yourself, I don't know, making only – is maybe two hundred dollars on it sound right? You get you pay the thousand dollars for the bond and end up getting you know maybe fourteen hundred dollars. But by the time a couple hundred dollars in fees comes off that, you're really only up about two hundred. There's a certain amount um, in our industry now. Most of the prices that are quoted are always net of fees and, and a lot okay. of that stuff already. Um, so they'll go through and say you know here's your price 
Um, uh, in fact, there's some that said, what's the worst price? It, meaning everything in there could be the worst, you know. But, um, but inside of the bond marketplace, usually when you see a price, that's it. And they also have a thing called a yield to maturity. Um, and we're just taking you down your financial uh, education here. So the yield to maturity is after everything's done, how much are you going to earn on that dollar um, over that period of time? So uh, bonds pay interest every t- six months. So a $10,000 bond at 6% is going to pay about 300 bucks every $6 every six months. So that's what's going to come inside of your pot. Um, and uh, when you start getting those yields and maturities and what it is, it calculates all those different fees in. So unlike the old days where, you know, we had to do all that stuff by hand, now it's a click of the button and it pops up and shows up on your screen. And, man, is it handy. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about it. And, and again, the times that I've tried to, I've done some, you know, legal sports betting in my day. It's handy right there. Pay out or, yeah, or yeah. you bet $20 to win $73 pay out $93. Bam. I can handle that. Sure. So <laughs> I, I did some, uh, and uh, folks, again, this is just some rhetoric. You're hearing a little bit of what happens in the, in the middle of my day. So mm-hmm. um, we had a client, we did some options this past week and, and, and I've traded options in the past. And I haven't done them in a number of years. And now we're doing, you know, now they have a computer systems and they're click, click, click. And we hopped in. And so, so many things in the past you'd have to manually calculate. So I actually went in, overlooked at the numbers, you know, and, Okay, how am I calculating this? How am I doing this? Just re- bringing myself back up to speed because I just haven't done options in a while. Um, and so we go into the trader and says, all right, how are we setting this up? He goes, click, 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 enter. I'm like, no kidding, that's it. <laughs> and so my, my joke to him was, why do we have to learn all this stuff in security school? He said, so that way you know how the computers work. Okay, great. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, all this stuff that you have to do calculations and, and that whole bit, now we're just a click of the button. It makes it so much faster and easier. Um, uh, but yet, and I'm proud to say, uh, you know, my assistant, Kim, she, uh, passed her initial security stuff. Um, and, uh, I said, come in here, you got to watch this because she just went through the, the options section. I said, this is all you need to know after all the things you're doing. She goes, that's it. I'm like, yeah, not that easy. Why do we have to learn this? You know? So, but God bless. It makes it a lot easier. 715-845-2155 is the number to call again. If you don't like our banter and, uh, somewhat witty insight give us a call and uh, tell us what you'd like to uh, hear or what you'd like to know with merle as always our uh, our banter is just filler for your phone calls so we got time for a couple more before the end of the hour here on wsau right now though it's chris conley with this day 855 on this saturday morning and am 550 fm 99.9 wsau wrapping things up here on another edition of making financial sense with merle kelch uh, Merle, I know you had uh, you. You were just uh, first off. You were just telling me uh, all of your brilliant, uh, brilliant insights on all of your big stocks that won this year. But of course, uh, that's we you know lucky. Yeah, you got yeah. lucky. You got lucky. Just like I was saying, you know, I I got lucky on a sports bet that I was going to make that didn't hit or that would not have hit. But uh, you know, sometimes sometimes there's a little luck in this business as well. Yeah, there's a there's a great article that's out here right now. Um, and it's by Philip Van Dorn. I love his name because I can say it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he also has some great insight. And, and folks, if you want to get in, look at this on MarketWatch.com is where we pull our articles out of. It's uh, what is driving the new bull market for stocks right now. Um, and in the front of the picture, has got three guys praying as they're getting ready to jump out of an airplane. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kind of giggling as I was looking at the picture this morning. Again, that's that's what we do in this business, <laughs> right? So if we look at the S&P 500 this past week has now officially jumped out of the bear market and now going into a bull marketplace. And we see it making money. We see the NASDAQ making money. 
you're hearing about all this AI, and if I can have an old person's perspective on what artificial intelligence I will and what it might do coming into the future. But we're seeing all those stocks that are participating in building chips for that are just taken off, and they're really the things that are driving the market. We've said it so many times. It's not really the S&P 500. It's the S&P 5. In fact, now they're calling it the fabulous 7. Um, it's the S&P you know, 7 and then the other 493 that trail mm-hmm. along behind. So we saw Netflix pop up this big. Interesting with Netflix. They made people you know, not be able to share their password, and they got 100 and some thousand new investors. Weird. Mm-hmm. Huh. Our new subscribers. Again, yeah, they watch movie. Wait, yeah. wait until the, that free trial's over, and we'll see how many of them stay we'll and, and continue to right. pay. Yeah. So, so the big thing in technology has been artificial intelligence. And, and folks, you know, I had a privilege a week ago to have a conversation with a 15-year-old young man um, who is brilliant. Um, he's going to end up graduating high school early. Um, he's going to graduate high school with his associate's degree um, in mathematics. This kid's, he's, he's the real deal kind of kid. So we're having questions about artificial intelligence and where we think it's going. And, and he and I had the same conversation that, um, you know, if you've ever played a video game, that's essentially artificial intelligence. The computer's making a choice based upon your input and it's doing it real time right away. So it's artifi- automatic artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence, if you've ever picked up your phone, folks, and said, hey, um, call mom, um, and I didn't say, hey, Siri, I just wonder how many people's phones, like mine, of course. just popped up. Yep. So, um, so with that, um, that's all artificial intelligence. It's being able to have some sort of a voice or some sort of response to generate a program that's going to make a decision based upon your actions. And what's happened is that the acceleration of that has just started taking off. And so, um, you know, when I went to school and, uh, you know, I took programming in college, it was, you know, 10, do this, 20, do that. You're writing stuff inside a basic language. And now programmers can actually just go through and talk to the artificial intelligence programming, and that artificial intelligence will use that input and build better artificial intelligence. So the expectation is that we're going to see some sort of an exponential growth in the ability to have computing and input. I still think Terminator might be coming. But <laughs> right. um, but what that can do then is to make it so our computers, our systems, will be much more fast, much more fast, um, be faster, yep. quicker, um, uh, it's responsibly faster, quicker. So some time ago, I was looking at the quest for what's called quantum computing, which is to build computers that think as fast as the human mind. So you add with that artificial intelligence to add on top of that. It's a scary proposition, but there's a direction of a number of companies that are going in that direction, and that then is what's driving our markets up this year so quickly and so fast. So if you were a person, let's say, say I'm only going to put stuff inside a Dow, you're having a dismal year. It's not really going real fast because the Dow just hasn't done anything because mm-hmm. it doesn't have a lot of those uh, tech companies that are new and, and driving the markets forward. But Diversified Portfolio is doing pretty well this year. And if somebody wants to know how to diversify their portfolio, how do they get a hold of you? Well, folks, you can give us a call uh, locally, 715-849-3600. Toll-free outside of the Wausau area, 866-355-5100. Visit us on 3rd Avenue and Bridge Street near Wassa or find us online at kelchinassociates.com.